Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me for another great episode today to help you up your game in talent development, which is, of course, our mission and what this podcast has been all about since the very beginning. We're about 240 episodes in, and I'm still having lots of fun. I hope you are as well. And we're doing something a little bit different today. Most of our episodes are straight interview conversations that I'm having with a guest. Occasionally, I mix in some solo episodes of me sharing some reflections and thoughts. And of course, you know, often I mention that I also run a membership community called the Talent Development Think Tank. And today, I'm sharing a recent call, the audio from a recent call that we had inside the Talent Development Think Tank community, partly to give you a glimpse of what our calls are like if you're not a member, but also because I want to share the value that came from this call. It was so good. I thought, I need to share this with more people. More people need to hear about this. And our guest speaker on the call was Larry McAllister, who is the head of talent enablement at NetApp, which is a technology company with over 13,000 employees. Larry has been a guest on this podcast in the past. It's been a couple years now. You can go back to that episode when he was just kind of new and starting that talent enablement department at NetApp. Uh, he's a couple years in now. He's implemented a lot of great technology in the HR practice and the people practice at NetApp. And he's very big on leveraging technology to hire and develop the best people. And as Larry says, we are in the golden age of HR technology with AI and augmented reality and everything that's available out there. And he has set his intentions to make the most of that, to create the best organization for his people possible. Uh, so I asked Larry to join the group again. There were a lot of questions lately about technology, and I asked Larry to come and share his thoughts on what's going on with HR technology, as well as his approach to evaluating different technology partners and vendors. And so you're going to hear him share that 
that. And I could have done a separate interview with him about this, but I kind of thought it'd be best to just share the audio from this uh, call along with all the questions that came in from our members. And a note in this interview, he does talk about some of the partners that they work with, like Fuel50 and BetterUp. Of course, uh, these are not official sponsors. And I do believe that while you want to hear what is working for other people, you want to do, of course, your own research and see which partners and vendors will work best with your organization, what will be the best fit. And I know if you have questions about any of these, Larry would be happy to speak with you. You can reach out to him, connect with him on LinkedIn. And I want to let you know, of course, the Talent Development Think Tank community is open. We are welcoming new members in. If you want to join our calls in the future, you can find all the information on our website, tdtt.us. All right. Now, without further ado, here is the audio from our live call with Larry McAllister talking all about the golden age of HR technology. Enjoy. Our session today is about HR technology. And let me set the scene for this. We already mentioned, you know, Larry was on my podcast probably a little more than two years ago. I should look up the date. And that was when we, we kind of knew who each other was before that, but we really connected. And then he came to the Talent Development Think Tank conference back in January 2020, where we got to hang out a bunch. And some of you were there as well. I know Michelle and Tom and uh, maybe a couple others here. And he's one of the founding members of our community. So I've been a big supporter and a great partner. And throughout that time, I've gotten to know Larry better. He does a lot of things well. He's the global head of talent enablement at NetApp, which is a, you know, a, a big and successful tech company. But one of the things I've noticed that he's really passionate about is embracing technology and progress and kind of pivoting and changing with the times and you know trying to be a leader in terms of technology in the HR space. From talking with him, I know he's also had a pretty unique and effective method for evaluating technology vendors and kind of choosing what's the right thing to implement for what their organization is doing. And we've done a call on this probably more than a year ago. And I know it's something many of you are interested in because we all need technology. There's a gajillion vendors and webinars out there that we can join, right? And you're always like, well, what the heck do I choose? And so I thought it'd be helpful. I know some of you requested this for Larry to share some of his thought process and how his team goes through and chooses. He can even, I'm sure, talk about some, some providers and vendors that he partners that he recommends and likes. But of course, as always, I'm sure he would say, you got to do your own research and figure out what's right for you. So Larry, what would you add to that? And maybe you can give a little background on like some of the stuff you've done as your team has been building out the, the talent marketplace that you've been building recently. Yes. Thank you, Andy, for inviting me. Good to see everybody. So I'm not here to present. I'm here to just tell you my story and have a discussion about, you know, where we are in technology and HR. So I can send you a deck that I speak externally about called the golden age of HR technology. And I think that's where we are right now. HR technology is caught up with every other kind of technology. And the reason is primarily AI and machine learning. So if you are a small company, you have AI technology and an API that you can attach on to Workday or success factors, you have a company. And, and the problem is, the good part about that is there's so many different Different variants you can go to. The problem with that is there's so many different variants you can go to. Um, so what I did to start was realizing that because there's so many vendors, we really needed to understand what are we trying to get to? What are we trying to get to in here? So my two goals, I have talent acquisition and talent enablement. So my goal is to figure out how do we get identify candidates faster 
end with tags like underrepresented minority or female, or this could go to job number two that you may not be thinking about. 80% is the new 100%. And then internally, for the first time ever in my career, AI technology allows you to actually see your career path. Remember in the old days, talent people, where you'd have like a spreadsheet or a book that was instantly out of date. Right now, you can say, I'm a marketing one and I want to be engineering three. And the AI tells you the next three jobs you can take inside this company, not in the world, inside this company, what gaps you have, and then how to fill those gaps. So do you get a gig? Do you get a mentor? Do you get a subject matter expert? Do you click on LinkedIn? All within one, all within one uh, platform. And now we're trying to combine those two platforms to have a full-blown talent opportunity marketplace. So recruiters know what's internally, managers know who else in the company could be a success for, for someone on their, on their um, team. So I'm saying, and then I'll go back to how we got here, but I'm just trying to tease you with how cool it is. Um, but I'm saying AI gives you the ability to see the unseen. You can see things in your company across your talent landscape that you would never, ever, ever know before, right? We had a guy who we saw was an entrepreneur. He's like 26, entrepreneur outside, raised money, built a company, uh, and was able to sell his product. Like those are skills that you would not have. One other thing on the, on the AI uh, for the talent acquisition is it goes out every three months, scrapes LinkedIn and other job boards, and updates your internal so if someone applied to your company three years ago, you have dead data in your applicant tracking system. But now the tool goes out and says, we have just updated this person's profile. So we have like 70,000 candidates. Every three months, those 70,000 candidates that apply to us were, are warm to us in some way, we have all of their updated skills. So there's no way you'd ever be able to do that. So that's, that's where the technology is and it's heading. And I say AI is ability to see the unseen and get you to the more human connection and conversation faster. So if you think about your pulse survey, if you use AI to, you know, put all of the, the commentary into heat bubbles and thematic stuff, you don't have to go through the, the, the comments anymore. And you know what happens when you go through the comments one by one? Oh, I know who said that. That's not true anymore. I fixed that. <laughs> so your brain biases that as opposed to the AI doing that. So you get to you and your team to talk about your data much faster. Same thing with the recruiting. You have your ranked stack and get to your hiring manager much faster. So the idea that the bots are coming from our jobs, they're only coming for the job, parts of the job that we don't want to do anyway. And it heightens our ability to have better conversations with data. So can you imagine now we have quarterly conversations where you're supposed to talk about your future and your career. Now you come with the next three jobs and what you want to do to that conversation. You know, managers are sometimes scared to talk about promotions. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Now it's like, well, well, the compute, the, the AI told me this, and this is what I want to do. How, how can you help me get there? So we're just in that moment now where we turn that part of the system on. Um, we're doing career week. We just had Andy on in our Dare to Dream series where we talk about Andy's career, mistakes he's made, where he's going. What not uh, to do. <laughs> and what not to do. And we always ask, what did you want to be done? I had someone on my team just go scan every company in Silicon Valley that was talking about the talent space. And I can send you that slide. That was just talent acquisition and it's probably 75 logos. Another one is talk to companies that you already know and say, who's your competitor? Who else is hot out there? You know, so I interviewed a lot of companies first and just found out what was out there. And Burson now, a lot of his conversations 
And what he's writing about is about technology. So he's really trying to put a frame of the future of HR technology. So the step one is get, get the funnel of all what's out there uh, and then figure out what do they do? Because they all do something just a little different. Um, and then we narrowed it down to 16 vendors that we wanted to talk to, some, for some probably like 150 to 16. We built a criteria of what we wanted out of everything. And then we had a tech parade. So in the room, wait, let me back up. So you are a technologist. You are a technologist. You cannot wait for IT, HRIS. No one else in, in your company realizes it's the golden age of HR technology. So I felt I had to bring the vendors in and then brought IT in to help us evaluate. So don't, don't wait. It's up to you to find out what's out there. And then so we, ha we had IT, we had our recruiter, we had someone from talent enablement, we had a manager, so who would be on the opposite end of this stuff, uh, and then my HRS team. So we're probably about eight or 10 people in the room. And then over two weeks, we brought in 16 vendors. And after each meeting, we had a criteria that we filled out. The two that you always have are user experience and customer support. And then in the middle is what do you really, what gap you really trying to fill? So for me, it was faster recruiting that had tags for people. And then can someone actually plot their career inside of this company? So we, we got down and narrowed it down from eight to four. And we chose eightfold, which is the recruiting tool, which says, just show me female candidates, just show me underrepresented candidates and scrapes the data. And then for the internal opportunity marketplace, we chose Fuel 50. And that is the one that is changing the entire landscape of how people view their careers. I say, if, if you're in, uh, we, we, we branded it internally Mosaic. I'd rather you be in Mosaic all day long than LinkedIn all day long, if you're looking for a job. So you do self-assessments around your skills and your motivations and other things. And that activates the AI, the AI and put you in play for jobs all over the world. So we are shrinking the world. You could say, hey, if I was in Australia, I'm never gonna get a job. You know, I don't know the people in headquarters. I'm outside the loop. Now you have the same access to the same growth opportunities as anyone else. Or if you're black, you're saying, you know, they, if, I'm, if I'm not in some kind of network or I'm not in the in-network, I'm not gonna get the opportunities. It shrinks the world and reduces the biases. And our DIMB person is so happy that we're able to see this. Then on the back end, you can see for diversity, are, are different groups applying and taking the same opportunities and, and getting the same recruiting opportunities being pulled? You can see what do they want to learn? What jobs are they after? The data you get on the back end of this is data you would never get anywhere else. Your pulse survey won't get it. Uh, it, it influences your talent strategy. We also use BetterUp, which is a mobile coaching solution, which has been off the charts. I think 30, we, we just put our fourth cohort, so we're up to 1,250 of our 11,000 employees have gone through BetterUp. And the data you get on the back end from that QBR, you could see through the pandemic what they're asking their coach for. You'd never get this data anywhere either. So it started being like, am I going to die? Is my team going to die? How do I stay health and safety? Then about eight months into the pandemic, how do I get a promotion? And I want to be a better leader to my team. So that kind of data, what people are asking for, then you start combining all of that. That is data you would never get anywhere else because no one is going to answer that question for you in a pulse survey. This is data they're doing themselves with self-assessments, with coaches. So I'm a much smarter talent planner now than I ever would be because I have actual true out-of-the-mouth data of employees. So I think... 
one, you're a technologist, two, go find out what it is, and then three, be really careful on your criteria because you can get sold something that you don't want to be sold. So we came down to two companies, both claiming that they could do this career pathing stuff for you and gigs. We chose the one that had more of their investment in the career pathing and the A on the career pathing and not, and gigs was okay, as opposed to the other company that had all their investment in technology and gigs and the career pathing was okay. So that's how the close other, that was the other company you were considering, Larry? I think it's called Hitch. Oh, Hitch. Yeah, we know Hitch. Right. Yeah, we know her. Yeah, she's great. Mm -hmm. She, yeah, she spoke at something too. So, uh, yeah, the founder, she was on our summit as well. Yeah, she's great. And she's, they're a great company to talk to. So I, that's my point. What do you want, right? It's really up to, to what you want. And then to get funding, I said, I'm now guarantee you, I cannot recruit you A players because I cannot move fast enough if I don't have this technology. I cannot get to candidates fast enough if I don't have this technology. And I can't promise people that they have a future here without showing them what that future is. And then I show them that one screen, you know, I think I said engineer one to manager three. You can now visualize what your career is in this company. Can you imagine coming out of college like an, and, and saying like, what could be the next three jobs I could take in a company? Why would you look somewhere else unless the culture is bad or your manager's a jerk or something like that? So I, I think it's really changed the face of, of um, how, do we, how do we promise, the promise of growth in this company is visualized in front of you based on your self-assessment. Um, so it's changed the game. And then I would also say now, at the end, you're gonna have to dip your toe in at some point and know that next year you're like, oh, if I waited one more year, because it's just advancing so fast. If you have that attitude, I could have waited one more year. We'll see you in 2040 when you're retiring and you never bought anything because you just gonna have to accept that next year there will be a better thing than what you bought this year. And then I think um, having performance, having performance metrics in the, in the uh, contract, like this must be available. I must have X amount of people in it. It can't go down. And all these things I have to work or else I'm getting my money back and try to try to get it under a three-year contract. If you can get a two-year contract, um, that's great. So we paid hundreds of thousand dollars for eightfold, which is the recruiting software. And it goes on top of, you know, connects into success factors. Now, because this AI technology is going so fast, we can get a brand new ATS with all that technology for half the prices. So this was a bolt on for double what I would go next year with same technology inside an ATS. So I'd have an ATS upgrade and I have all this AI technology for half the price. So those are the pills you will have to swallow <laughs> knowing that technology is, is moving so fast. So the, the trade-off there, Larry, is if you can wait, then obviously the technology gets better and cheaper over time, but you could be missing out and losing a lot of really great employees because you don't have the technology in place. Right. And now that's getting more prolific. So even with this technology, my cloud engineers, one in every four drops, it's actually 30% of every engineer says no at the offer letter because they have multiple offers. And I'm running at the speed of market. I, I, there's, no tech, there's no one getting to candidates faster than me because of this technology. Still, there are other companies who have offers in their hands by the time they get to offer. So it is, it's almost, you're just going to get beat in the market if you don't have this kind of matching technology. Speed's the name of the game. All right, we got some questions coming in, Larry. Christine okay. 
asked about how big your organization is and did this solve only TA and career or other human capital talent management needs as well? So my, my organization, well, so there's 11,000 employees at NetApp globally. I have about, I have eight or 10 on my talent enablement side, which is this, you know, like talent management. And then, you know, I have like 75 recruiters or something like that. So the question about, is it, those were the two that I was after. Plus, plus the Glint survey, we use Glint for a pulse survey. So the AI analysis there, better up is coaching, which has been off the charts. 30% say it's life-changing. We have, that's right, Brandy. We have people who, so they do the whole person approach, which we believe in. You know, I used to say, this is what shattered the life, the work-life balance, and then the pandemic hit, and there's no such thing anymore, right? Your work is your life. So they use the whole person approach, which is if you're unhappy at work, you're unhappy at home. If you're unhappy at home, you're unhappy at work. It's, it's ever, you know, that cycle never ends. So the whole person approach is your first assessment that you do is about your whole life. And then your coach helps you with that. Uh, and we've had anecdotal feedback of, I, have, I got over the death of a member, a family member because of my coach. I have a better relationship with my daughter because of my coach. I can now explain my vision to my team much better because of my coach. It is the, it, it, and I think I was talking to Jimmy about this. This is the best development opportunity you can give an employee because it is absolutely 100% customized to them. It's exactly what they need at this moment, right? It's not a training where you're like, hey, everyone learn one thing. This is each, all thousand people that have gone through this um, have their own growth and development. And sometimes it's more in their personal life. Sometimes it's dealing with their boss. So we, I think it's 97% of the people said it's, it's an excellent use of my time after a thousand people have gone through it. And 30 or 35% called it life-changing. So if I, if I had to strip everything down in my development budget to one thing, I would use better up. And the future, I'm on their product council. The future is what I've been telling them is this has to be a benefit, right? So they're moving towards an end state where you say, hey, I want to lose 10 pounds and I have assets or a coach or someone to help me with my diet or stress or well-being or I do bad PowerPoint decks. So on-demand assets and coaching and AI-assisted development for all employees in the moment that they need it. So that's the future of, of where we're headed. Excellent. It's like a great commercial for Fuel50 and BetterUp. You should be getting well there. <laughs> yep. I know you're heavily ingrained with them. And, 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 and for those that haven't looked into coaching, there are other providers and options out there, uh, of course. And I'm familiar with some of those and connected with some of those, but BetterUp is, is probably the biggest and most popular, I'd say at this point. Now, Larry, I know you did your homework before you signed on with them. Brian, you had a question. You want to jump in? Hey, um, yeah. So I'm just very interested from, from the human side. So we have all this AI, right? Recognizing it as useful as it is. But the, you know, if I was going to use like a supply chain analogy, how do you make that AI effective in the last mile? Uh, last mile being from that data to a person-to-person -person conversation. And that, that's what I'm really interested in about from a whole program point of view. How do you enable uh, those people leaders, those people growers, as I might call them, to use that AI uh, for these meaningful conversations? Um, if you can ex explain what that type of experience is, what, what um, maybe you've instilled or that the culture already has, I, I'd be very interested in that. Is that a day-to-day -day thing? Or does that look like a quarterly type of a thing? 
yeah, so, so, so yeah, what did you do and what's been your experience with that? So I'll answer the, the, the last mile question first, then I'll talk about the strategy, I guess. Yeah. So the beauty is all the miles leading up to the last mile used to be you or us, yeah. right? Manufacturing things and building trainings and all that. Now the AI does all those miles to get you the last mile as quickly and efficiently and smartly, I'll make up that word, as possible. And then when you're at the last mile, you're not tired anymore. And you have all this data around you to have a better conversation with your employee, right? At the recruiting moment, when you're interviewing, you're there faster. At this quarterly conversation moment about their career, you're there faster, surrounded by data that you would never have had before. Before it'd be like, I want, you know, I don't know what I want to do. I'm bored in my job. I, can you get me a promotion? The manager's like, I don't know if I can get you a promotion. Now it's like, here's my next three jobs. What do you think? The, the tools tell me I need these, these skills to get this job. Help me get those skills. Or what do you think? So the conversation is much faster. Now, if you drop these tools into an antiquated talent strategy, you're going to have a, a slog to get it going. So my, the first year I was here, I ripped out everything that HR had ever done in this company. I just ripped everything out. Ratings, forms, nine boxes, HR checks if you typed your goals in, mandatory trainings, like um, leadership competencies. I said, all of this is wasteful. And if you want to become good form filler outers, I'm not checking on that anymore. So, and a lot of companies have done that. But the key is, what do you replace it with, right? That's the key. So we replace with the idea of, I want to raise the accountability and the relationship between every manager and employee in the company. And I changed the name of my team from talent management to talent enablement. I'm not managing you. I'm not babysitting you. Those days are over. I'm here to enable you with the best thought processes, the best thought leadership, the best technology, and the best ways to raise that relationship. So by starting there, the year one, we called it the year of execution. The idea was to land the planes that would fill in the gaps for getting rid of all that stuff. So we started this Thrive ecosystem, which is activate yourself, which is better up and quarterly conversations. Activate your team, which is better up and glint surveys. Activate the enterprise, which is cross-functional tiger team solving bigger problems and understanding how to walk that way. And then the fourth one is activate the future. So that's where AI enabled recruiting, you know, being able to grow people internally and find people externally. So we started with that ecosystem. And in the first year, all I did was those top two boxes. So saying the promise is coming. This is the story. But if you don't have that story landed, then you're just putting technology on crap system, on a crap idea. COVID-19 pandemic and 2020 changed everything in business and talent development. Almost overnight, companies were forced to figure out how to engage their employees remotely and run their development programs virtually. Luckily, Advantage Performance Group has been running a webinar series and releasing free resources throughout the last year and beyond. Advantage is a proud sponsor of the Talent Development Hot Seat. It's known for creating, learning, and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish. To join our webinar series and find more of our free resources, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. That's AdvantagePerformance.com. Yeah. Hey, hey, well, hey, Larry, if you back up just for a quick second around that. Um... You know, so I think we're all very familiar with the antiquated models in the past. And I totally, I, I, I hear you around the, 
the antiquated version of talent management as opposed to talent enablement. I love that. How did that that message or that shift or pivot, how well did that mesh with the, the principles by which the culture is already operating under? Were they in total opposition or were they already similarly aligned? Either principles or values, if you want to so I would say it's an engineering culture. My last company was more of a sales okay. culture, right? The CEO was a sales guy. So it was rah, rah. It was a little easier to make these changes. Okay. Um, here was an engineering culture. So you got to prove it. There's a lot more proof you have to do. So, you know, you guys know the neural leadership. What's that guy's name? David Rock, I think his name is. Yeah. And he has that story about how the brain works at work. And when you're having an annual review, your brain acts like in a fight or flight. So you either want to run out of the room or punch your manager in the face, right? And then your manager says to you, say, say the, the five is the highest rating. This is what I'm telling the CEO staff. The way I'm telling you is exactly the way I told the CEO staff. I said, say five is the highest. The manager says, I would have given you a five, but they made me give you a four. You have broken trust with your employee right in that moment. You have broken trust. And the reason they don't leave, because we've been breaking trust with them our entire careers. So is that what we want? I had one of my last company when I did it. They said, why do we want to do it now? It's like, do you like any part of this process? Nope. <laughs> you don't like any part of it. It sucks. We all know it. So let me tell you an easier way to do it. So that, that was how I sold it. Okay. was the data from the Neuro Leadership Institute. It's the Neuro Leadership Institute. Yep. Thank you. Uh, we had a question. Kim Moses asked if BetterUp is available to everyone or is it just a certain group of employees? I went to all employees. Um, we haven't really pushed the VPs yet because I wanted to prove it that it could go across the globe and all levels. We're starting to do VPs. Now, BetterUp sells like an executive, an executive level which I think you don't necessarily need to have. These are all world-class certified coaches. But I wanted to show that it worked because I, I said going in, I gave up on coaching because coaching was normally at the executive level, super expensive. You don't have any, any ROI on it. And companies would say, this guy's meeting his business goals, but he's sort of a jerk. So get him a coach. That's the worst possible way to get coaching. So I wanted to democratize the concept that coaching is developmental from good to great. And that's why I did all across the world and all on all different levels, ICs, managers, directors, uh, and the data is crazy good. And this year, so I would go to VPs and say, nominate, and here's the kind of people you need to nominate, underrepresented groups, new managers, whatever. This year, I'm going out to the entire company and saying, this is available to everyone. And so let's try to get it as, as prolific as possible. They have, other, they have other tools they're working on as well that are going to be more like one-to-many Peloton-style coaching where you get on with a high-energy coach with 10 people who have the same issue and sort of help each other. So there's a lot of variances of it, but we, we primarily have done the one-on-one -on -one coaching. I think they should have to do it on a Peloton bike too, which would be more, you can help people get in shape. <laughs> All at once, right? <laughs> be more fun. Christine, you had another question about the systems, I think. Yeah, my question was really about, um, are they talking to each other? So, you know, knowing I've been around systems, worked for Cornerstone, done a lot of stuff. So knowing you have four different independent system, are they talking to each other? Are, is your reporting interconnected? How are you managing, supporting four different independent systems? I know you said you have an HRS, you know, team, but knowing the intricacies that come with different systems and the interconnecting, um, and I forget, the, there's a better word for interconnected, but. Like um, integrated. 
integrated. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Thank you. How is that working? I'm curious. Um, I love all of those platforms. I, I definitely do. I think they add value and they're just so unique in what they offer. So I can appreciate and respect your choices because you want a little of all those things and to be able to put it together and the way you put it together is beautiful. But a lot of companies are resistant to the one off solutions versus the big guy like the workday or something like that. So curious how that's working and just how those that's now, super, that's super valid question, like the back end. So let me tell you a little tale about success factors. So we knew, I think you all know, these big companies like success factors, even Workday, cannot innovate as fast as these small AI companies. There's no way. There's no way. Success factors is the one who introduced us to Eightfold. They said, our ATS ain't never getting this way. So here's Eightfold, meet them. Now, in my last QBR with, with Success Factors, their pitch now is to say, we will integrate anything you have and put them on little cards so a manager and employee can just press on it. And do you want to go to Fuel 50? Click here. Do you want to see your pulse results? Click here. So they're done, they're done evolving the technology and becoming integrators. That's their pitch. And there's other, Microsoft is doing similar stuff. So these bigger, these companies realize that these small companies are kicking our ass. So how do we have this big monolithic HRM and tie them all onto there? So, so to your point, the integration, so they all API into success factors. So the data is going back and forth there. They are a little resistant to play together. So I tell them, you should just go buy that company and then integrate them. Just go buy them and integrate them. So what we're doing is we have a, um, a new innovate, uh, data innovation guy that we hired, who's like this mad genius. And he is now working with me to say, how do we, how do we integrate it for us? So at least we're getting this data, at least we're now getting this data I talked about earlier that we'd never get before in a cohesive package that tells a story. And it's not like, here's report A, here's report B, here's report C. So the integration of the tools is only like, okay, someone's applying for a job, it goes to the CRM and then comes, or the HRM, then it comes back out to, like fuel 50. So it's like everything's pinging back wheel and spoke at this moment. Yeah, you want it to all be seamless. And Ryan asked a follow up question to that too. Like, what does the employee experience look like? Because you don't want them to know they don't need to know there's all these different systems in the background, right? They want to just it just work. Right. So we we're trying to make sure everything funnels through a mosaic or fuel 50. That's just worry about that. Um, for most employees, you know, for managers, there's a tab that you can go find your pulse survey stuff. But we want you to stay inside of Fuel 50. That's your primary place because then you're taking self-assessments. You're seeing if there's gigs available. You're getting recruited. You may be asked to do, asked onto a gig. You're on someone's succession plan. Uh, and so do all your stuff in there for the general employee. And then we're starting to embed like LinkedIn learning links in there and things like that. So that's, that's the place we want the employee experience to primarily be focused. So goals is in there. You don't have to go into success factor to put goals. If you want to do goals, you do it right in here. If you want to record your quarterly conversation, it's right in here. So we try to shut down everything in SAP and success factors as possible. Just shut everything down and focus everyone in this, in this platform. So Larry, are you pulling reporting into a BI tool outside of all of the systems to, to reconcile right. reporting across? Okay. Yeah. So there's, you can go in and look at your, your data in each tool for sure. Managers and backend. Um, but what I'm trying to do is get this mad genius to tie it all into one reporting structure and find correlations or themes. 
Nice. Uh, Nora had a question. Nora, do you want to, uh, it's not a video. Do I'm going to tell him I called him a mad genius today. I'm going to text yeah. him. I called you a mad genius today. <laughs> so Nora asked about the risk of mixed messages if the coaching is individualized and how do you help them stay aligned? And Jess was wondering the same thing. Um, I think I understand that question. So, um, so at the beginning, your manager fills out an assessment for you. So you're, you're going in with your self-assessment and what the manager, you know, is answering questions around you. Um, we don't release information to the manager, but we encourage you and your manager in your quarterly conversations to talk about what's going on with your coaching. What are you working on? You know, have accountability partners and things like that. But if you think about it, what employee is going to tell their manager, I'm having a hard time in my marriage, right? That's never going to come up with your manager. We are built to be like, I am a robot. I have no feelings at work. My life is good. My life is always perfect. So those kind of conversations you never have to share with your manager, but it gives you the ability to, to get help there. Now, not everyone is talking about their home life. A, a, a huge majority of the data we get back is vision, communication, getting better with my boss, hitting my goals. It's a huge part of business, but I just always emphasize the whole person approach because I think even now, especially pandemic-wise, it's so important. So if, if I didn't answer your question, I, I'm happy to have Yeah, let clear. us know, Nora or Jess. And, and to be clear, I, I, I feel like it's obvious, but the, the data is, anon is anonymous or anonymized, right? So it's not like, oh, Susie in finance is struggling with a drug problem and an yeah. abusive husband. And you're like, hey, Susie, like, obviously that's not, that's not happening. Yeah, there's none of that. And some of that stuff, they would just say personal. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? 10% of your people are working on personal things, you know, super anonymized, super anonymized. Yeah. Even if we sued them, they won't give it to us. That's how anonymized it is. Nora, Jess, anything you add to that question? Or I think Jess Siegel had a question too. Hello. Did you successfully? Yeah, you're, you're that's in. an achievement for sure. I know it really is. So we've been talking internally about services like Fuel 50, but I'm a big proponent of if you're not actually going to make an institutional level change, right? Like don't give an employee employee engagement survey and not listen to the results because that's going to do more harm than good. Agreed. And I feel like this kind of thing is the same thing, right? Like if we're not actually going to embrace this as a company, as a culture, really encourage internal moves, promotions, whatever. So what, how did that look like? Was that already part of your culture? Or like, had it really helped or changed? Because I think it's totally like a, it's a do good, but if people aren't actually making internal moves or it's not okay, then it's not so great. Absolutely. No, that's a super important. Yeah. And it's a lot of money, right? I mean, <laughs> it's an investment. So on the, on the survey, on the post survey, we do ask a question, do you think something's going to happen with these survey results? And that, that, so we can feed back to the organization. Your people don't believe that you're going to do anything with this. So we, we do accountable, provide accountability down there. So there's, I would say there's, there's three things. One is the CEO staff, if they're going to invest in this, I was like, you invest in it, it's your tool. How are you going to make it successful? So for example, we meet with them on the survey results. What are you going to do around this table? What's your action this quarter? And how are we going to talk to the company about that? Same thing with movement. Your teams are not allowing movement. That's an embarrassment to your organization where we show them data. So the executives have to get engaged and communicate down. Two is we do so many enablement things like this idea where we had Andy on in Dare to Dream. That, and I said it in there, Andy, let's bring the elephant in the room. What if a manager doesn't want to let go of their people? They're talent hoarders. 
I think they should be talent, net talent exporters, export your influence. And Andy had great examples of the power of doing that around the organization. So, and then we do Thrive Thursday. That ecosystem I talked about earlier is called Thrive. So we do Thrive Thursdays where we talk about giving up your people or how do you talk to your manager about moving? So we're constantly enabling, enabling, enabling. And then on the back end, we talked about the data so we can see what's going on and then bring that forward either to lower levels or back to CEO staff. So CEO staff buy-in, ongoing enablement. We have career week, the week of November 5th, which is why I can't go to Andy's thing. And career week is internal, external speakers, executives, all week long talking about the opportunity marketplace and what your career looks like here. And then the data. I'd say those are the big three. Love it. And I was going to ask you too, even though I know you and I have talked about this already, but it is obviously important you're creating this talent marketplace that you have leaders and managers that are supportive of this and not hoarding talent or holding them back and they're embracing the systems and helping their people move around and find opportunities. Right. And then we'll showcase that. So it'd be great for go to market, you know, the president of the company to say, I had nine people move jobs this quarter in my company and talk about that head is all hands meeting. So them celebrating it. Um, and I'm pretty lucky. Thank God that these guys will do that. You know, they, they, cause they want it to be successful too. They, they wouldn't, they wouldn't agree to pay for it if they didn't think it was good for the company. That's my view. So help me tell the story. Yeah. And you know, we, we all know we're in this, you know, great resignation, right? People are looking around and you said it earlier, you want them to spend time on more time on mosaic than on LinkedIn. Cause if they're not finding opportunities internally, they're probably looking to see what's out there externally. And I think we're all seeing that and feeling that right now. Like what an unfair advantage that your external and, and a third party recruiter can call your employee, but your recruiter can't. That's an unfair advantage. We're losing, right? So that was my sell on that. Who do you want calling them? My recruiters or like, you know, Apple's recruiters? Interesting. Yeah. And I know you, you mentioned you have a data person, but I think when I was talking to, to Lane Marie on your team the other day, she said you also have uh, kind of like a, a person on your team now that's like in charge of this whole program and like helping people shepherd people of moving around, right? Yes. Right. So there's two people. One's the mad genius who's looking at all the data, but we are hiring an internal mobility recruiter. So someone on my talent acquisition team is focused only on internal. So they're, they're the internal recruiter and internal mobility. So pipelining internally. Hey, I see that you want to do this job. You're probably a year away. I'd love to help you meet people. You know, you can mm -hmm. see internally, you can see inside Mosaic who you can meet, but I'd love you to talk to this guy to build your skills. Like that's, that's next level stuff for us. Yeah. Any other questions from anybody in the group? Anybody thinking about implementing something like this or trying to figure out how to use technology better? Ryan, and you and I had a good discussion yesterday and you've, you've made some big changes where you are at Commerce Bank, right? To create more mobility and help employees find more career direction? We have, yeah, we spent some time the last year, year, year and a half, putting a tool in called, that we call Commerce Pathways. It's actually a tool called Mentor Lead that's out there. We partner with uh, Ann Tardy and her group that own that. Our focus has really been on getting people to get connected. So when we think about job shadowing, networking, if you think about mentoring, obviously key things, Everything's Larry's talking about. If you, if you don't see that you have a path internally in the organization, if you can't make those connections, and we're big enough, we're about 5,000 people in the organization, a little under that. So it's still big enough that you don't know exactly where you're going. And so that is something that we put in in the last year here. We've been pushing it a lot um, with the organization, getting people a little bit more 
connected to it. It's been, uh, we're starting to see success with it, especially on the job shadowing side. We're seeing people find other roles in the organization in different parts of the business through the connections that they've had in it. The mentoring site is um, starting to get quite a bit of use as well. We've got about 320, 30 people that are in there and probably close to 40% of the people in the system are actually matched to someone in a mentoring relationship. So we're using technology too in a way that was a little bit different. We looked at a lot of different systems. A lot of them were just really locked in, kind of like Larry, this is a smaller group. They have their own developer, like Larry was talking about. They're constantly changing and, and doing anything that we are really asking. We asked them to like add LinkedIn profiles to it. They did it. We created um, a mentoring roadmap so that people could easily find the resources on the site at the, at the right part, ports and right portion of the kind of relationship and mentoring. They create. They took what we did and created it and added a page and started sending it to people that they're working with in their business, um, people that, that you know signed up with them. And then job shadowing wasn't even a thing. Like they had never even used that site for job shadowing when we reached out to them because there really isn't any tools out there around job shadowing. There really just isn't unless you've got a tool that is smart and has AI and is connecting some of those people. You know, so that's something that we actually used for job shadowing too. And they were willing to help us customize the heck out of their site to make that happen. I, yeah, I was gonna ask you about the job shadowing. I really like that idea too, as you know, more companies are doing what NetApp is doing, creating more of a talent marketplace. Is there a way you can reach out and say, hey, Ryan, I saw you work in talent. I'm thinking about making a move to L&D one day. Can I just, you know, see what your what your day or your week looks like before I start applying for stuff? It's exactly what we did. And what's important, I know we were talking about this on the podcast yesterday. It's about <laughs> understanding the experiences that you want and then going and talking to somebody who does that job. Find out the good and the bad and the ugly. You've got to find out if that job is everything that you think it is or if it's as sexy as you think it is and what the horrible days look like it look like in that job. But you got to talk to people and you got to know them. And if you only know this many people in your little department, how do you get connected to those individuals, especially during this pandemic where there aren't a whole bunch of events going on where you can just connect and meet people. So for us, it was perfect timing. We were looking at rolling it out in like a March timeframe and then the pandemic, pandemic happened while we were doing that. So we rolled it back a little bit, but then two, three months later, we were like, nope, this is needed. It's important in the organization. Let's roll it out. Awesome. I have a question, if it's okay, because yeah, it just won't make sense. <laughs> um, read an article by Burson months ago about this idea that um, folks in our business are really beginning to look at the smaller independent players that are just really good at the things that they do. So like Fuel 50 was mentioned and um, better up. So, um, but then you've got these big players. So we use Oracle. So we'll be using gigs through Oracle, but you've got these big players that are trying to play in that space. And of course the challenge there is that they aren't in, as nimble or aren't moving necessarily or focusing on the things that you want them to focus on because they're trying to focus on everything. Right. So I'd just be interested in hearing a little bit on your take, knowing that you're, you're stitching these things together on what the employee experience is like on the front end. Because one of the things I've talked about is the necessity with my folks is that look, Doing that is, it would be awesome. How do you stitch it all together so it's one seamless experience for your employees on the front end? So could you share a little bit about how you're making that work so that it doesn't feel like people are going in a hundred different directions to get what they need? Yeah, I, so I would double down on Oracle is never going to go as fast on a particular thing as these smaller companies because these smaller companies, that's all they think about all day long. It's how do I make this better? So I think you have to try to find at least what we did 
was try to find one primary entry point, unless you're going to do what success factors is doing and have this productivity zone where you go to one place and you can click on anything you want to get into it. We're not there yet. So we try to funnel everyone through mosaic, which is fuel 50 and keep working with them to say, what else can we link into this? So this is the one entry point where they get other things, right? So we turned on goals in there and turned off goals and success factors. We turned on note-taking from meetings uh, for like quarterly conversations and turned stuff off in success. So we, we gave them no other option but to go in here. And now we're trying to figure out how we put LinkedIn learning in there. How do we get, if we want to help them get better at doing gigs, um, how do we put more and more enablement stuff in there about how do you talk to your manager about doing gigs? So we're trying to have one platform where we primarily get everything in there. It's, they're not going to do everything. So there's going to have to be some searching. So that's why I do think this productivity zone where you just pull up success factors and there's mosaic and then there's your, your pulse survey results. That may be the next, the next evolution. And then just one last question, Larry, sure. do you, within your function, do you, does L and D is L and D part of that? Cause what we're struggling with, it's not even a struggle. What we're dealing with right now is that L and D has gone one direction while the rest of us are trying to go a different direction. Yeah. So we have a sales enablement group in marketing that had the budget to get LinkedIn learning. And they primarily focus on sales enablement and some sales leadership. So I say I'm not really a training organization. I'm an experience organization. Um, so we are, for the first time I'm here, doing a manager academy where it'll be a virtual manager academy and then a, and then a director immersion experience where we're using third-party vendors to talk about our values and what we care about. Um, so we'll do big events. We're trying to get everyone through in one week, that kind of thing. But the ongoing L&D is more about enabling these tools and these mindsets and not a bunch of trainings. Thank you. I have a question I'd love to jump in. I'm not sure if we're going to have time to answer it. I'm not sure if it's fully baked yet uh, to articulate it properly. Um, what I see as being a huge value proposition of having access to all this data from all these various systems that are kind of best in class is not only to, to your point, to be able to meet the market where it is, to be at the front edge of the market, but also have leading indicators to get into predictive, right? Analytics and understand like, what are gonna be the lead indicators? So example would be like two years ago, we probably wouldn't put high on employee engagement, like flexibility being topmost. Mm -hmm. But right now when everybody's formulating return to work plans, flexibility is very, very high in terms of engagement factors. And I wonder if this data is enabling you to get a little bit more uh, of the motivations and engagement factors that are top of mind as, as market forces come into play. I would say that's a really good question. So yes, indicators. And a lot of these AI companies promise that we can predict turnover or we can predict hotspots for you. Um, so still, still wait and see on that. But we would not have been able to get such a flexible return to work plan if it weren't for the Pulse survey results. There was no way I would be able to, because they wanted to go out with like, you must be in the office three days. And I was like, nobody wants to be in the office three days. I don't, don't make me come back three days. So we did a survey about a year ago and 9% of the employees said they wanted to be in the office full-time and 60 was around a hybrid. Then we did it just in July or yeah, July. That number went from nine to seven with shots in your arms the number went down of how many people wanted to come back to the office full-time. So then you start using the AI to get the commentary. What's the most influential commentary. And if you make me come back to the office, I will quit. Right. I mean, just flat out comments like that. So that, that data absolutely informed our strategy. And then two, every survey comes back as different, right? So to your point, the bottom score doesn't mean it's the most important score for you to work on. 
There are other scores like flexibility that are more influential on other parts of the survey like engagement. So that's what AI does that the old kind of surveys did. And you'd go to the bottom three scores and just go for it, right? Now it's saying the bottom score doesn't matter because it's not as influential as this score around flexibility is influencing other things. So I think that's where you get some indications there, Tom. Dropping links. All right. Well, <laughs> it's uh, 12.58 on my clock. So we hit it in time. Great call. Thank you, Larry, for Thank you. coming on and sharing. I always love hearing about your process and the stuff you're doing. It makes me think of so many things. And I'm sure lots of people got some ideas, lots of, I saw lots of heads nodding and some good questions today. So thank you again for that. And I'm sure if anybody has questions, should they reach out to you or uh, what we're such a leading question? How can you say no to that? But, <laughs> but I know Larry's available. Yeah, always. I, I had a benchmarking with Jimmy a couple of weeks ago. So anyone <laughs> wants to see our stuff, I'm happy to share it. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm excited for the work you're doing there. Um, Ryan and his team doing some cool stuff we just talked about on the podcast. So thanks everybody for being here. Next Wednesday, we have another great speaker lined up, Naveen Bateja, who is the CHRO of uh, a company called Metadata. And we're talking all about future of work. He was on the podcast a few months back. So I'll have to find that link and send it out to you guys who want to listen to it ahead of time. Um, but really just like, it's a great, like, you know, bolt on from, you know, continuation from this conversation, like, what does the future of work look like? What's the talent marketplace look like? Where are we going? And how do we think more about this stuff? So awesome. And then Jess asked me about the link to the virtual summit, which I just dropped in the chat. And I'll send to you guys in an email again. And thank you for all for being here as usual. We'll see you next week. Bye all. All right. That will do it for our episode with Larry McAllister talking about the golden age of HR technology inside the talent development think tank community. What did you think? Did you learn something from that? Did you get some inspiration? Are you going to check out some of the vendors? Are you going to think about how to implement more technology in your company? Maybe like Larry's approach to speaking with executives and pitching the need to invest more in HR technology for talent acquisition and talent development. I definitely learned from that. I thought it was really great that he really shared everything that they've been doing and working on. And Larry is so innovative. He's become a good friend. He attended our first talent development think tank conference back in January 2020 and was a founding member of the Talent Development Think Tank community. So he's in there often. If you want to speak with Larry, come join our community. If you're not a member yet, all the information, of course, is on our website, tdtt.us. And when you sign up, you can use code HOTSEAT, H-O-T-S-E-A-T, to get 10% off your monthly or your annual membership. And it's really a phenomenal experience. We have live calls every Wednesday with guest speakers like Larry. We do open forum calls where we openly discuss our opinions and questions about different things that are going on in talent development. Recently, we did one on measuring the impact of learning programs and just about everybody got a chance to speak up and either ask a question or share their insights. It was really phenomenal and just follows the mission of what I wanted to create with the Think Tank, which is that everybody gets involved and shares. So if you're interested in joining again, our website is tdtt.us. You can reach out to me if you have questions. I'm on LinkedIn, or you can send me an email, andy at andystorch.com. Thank you again for listening. I really appreciate you. And I've got more great episodes coming next week. I'm going to be speaking with Nick Shackleton-Jones, uh, who is at Deloitte and talks about the user-centered learning design that he has implemented over the years. And I think it's going to give you some good things to think about. Thanks again. See you next week.
Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again. Take care.